Hello and welcome to this Memory Tube Timeline Quiz. My name is Paul von Hindenburg and I'll be your host for the next half an hour. The prize today is 5,000 Renton Marks. You may be listening to this because it's linked to one of our new timelines that are aligned to GCSE history courses, or you may simply be interested in history and this sounds like an interesting topic. If you are listening as part of your GCSE course, then remember to pop back and listen regularly and you'll be amazed what starts sticking. If you do this in conjunction with Sprock's History Quiz app, available in the Play Store, and our Scintilla Memory Tube video on YouTube, I guarantee you'll be an expert within a week. Okay, if you're new to these podcasts, the idea behind them are threefold. Firstly, to test your knowledge of a timeline from history by asking you if you can remember when things happened. See if you can remember the correct date or use your history knowledge to get reasonably close. Secondly, to test your wider knowledge by asking you a few multiple choice questions along the way about some of the events on the timeline. And finally, to share the tricks and method we use at Scintilla HQ to remember the timeline so we have them stored in our memories, maybe to whip them out and impress the neighbours, our teachers, or absolutely nail an exam. So today's timeline is about the development of the Weimar Republic in post-World War I Germany, which started with the German Revolution. We then move on, find out about how Adolf Hitler and the Nazi party wrestled control of the Republic, sidelined the communists, suppressed all opposition and created one of the most devastating dictatorships in modern history. If you like to keep some sort of score in this quiz, then grab a pen and paper. When you're spot on the year, give yourself 10 points. If you're within a decade, give yourself 5 points. And if you're in the correct century, give yourself a point. You should be able to do that one because this one's all close together. If you're driving, I probably wouldn't worry about the score. So one last thing before we begin, the questions are in chronological order, which may help. And unlike any other quiz we know, we occasionally jump back to an earlier question and see whether the tips we've given you to make it easier to remember help. A little bit of space repetition sprinkled in for good measure. As this is also aligned to some listeners' GCSEs, we may stop and reflect on the significance of certain dates along the way. Okay, so let's get started. This is the Weimar Republic and Nazi Germany timeline quiz. Number one, when was the reign of Kaiser Wilhelm II? From when to when? Okay, that was 1888 to 1918. I remember the end of it because I know that his reign ended at the same time as the end of World War One. And I remember the start of it because I have a mnemonic that there was not there was so much food at his coronation party that the guests were there for a week and they ate and they ate and they ate. So I have this kind of image of tables covered in food and people eating and eating and eating. And I get the eight, eight, eight from that mnemonic. That's how I remember that one. Uh, Here's a quick question about uh, the reign of Kaiser Wilhelm II. Who said that the German monarchy had to be overthrown in order to end World War One? And that was President Woodrow Wilson. Okay, so Kaiser Wilhelm II, he was the last of the rulers of the German Empire. And he was actually known for his tactless comments and threats to other countries as he tried to build Germany as a great European power and upset a lot of people on the way and was blamed for a lot of the problems that Germany had. Okay, question two. The duration of World War I. We should all know this. When did World War I start and end? Okay, that's 1914 to 1918. If you struggle to remember that, I want to remember the four and the eight. So an eight looks a bit like an infinity symbol. 
So I say they fought for what seemed like infinity. So fought and infinity give me the four and eight. Okay. What was the name of the famous treaty signed after World War One? And that was the Treaty of Versailles. And we'll do more on that in a bit. And second question, did all Germans support the surrender at the end of World War One? No, they didn't. And actually, a lot of right-wing Germans thought they could still win the war. So let's go on to the third date on the timeline. When was the Temporary Council of People's Deputies established? Okay, and that was in 1918. Okay, this was an alliance between the Social Democrats, who were the SPD, and the party that split with them over World War I, the USPD. Both had declared republics um, after the abdication of Kaiser Wilhelm II, on the same day, in fact. So the SPD and the USPD had three members each run, sitting on the Temporary Council of People's Deputies, and they prepared the countries for elections in the following January of 1919. So here's a question about the Temporary Council of People's Deputies. Which two main roles in German society did they replace? Okay, and they replaced the decision-making of the President and the Kaiser. So the next one on our timeline is... When was the death of Rosa Luxemburg? Okay, and this was in 1919. So Rosa Luxemburg actually just died four days before the election of the um, first National Assembly of the Weimar Republic. She was a really well-known um, political activist. She, uh, she was an activist both in Poland and Germany. She was a left-wing socialist and was involved in many political parties as well as starting her own. Having escaped persecution in Poland, she taught for a while. She actually taught Friedrich Ebert in Berlin. They were both members of the SPD, the German Social Democrats, but they fell out over the SPD's support for World War I. When the war ended Kaiser, and Kaiser Wilhelm abdicated, her new party announced a republic on the same day the SPD did. A few weeks before the national elections, her Spartacus party led a communist uprising that she was initially not in favour of. The uprising was crushed and she was executed. And her ex-student, Friedrich Ebert, gave the order. How do I remember when the death of Rosa Luxemburg was? Well, there were a lot of events in 1919. You'll see them as we go through the timeline. And at the end, we'll try and have a mnemonic to remember all of the ones that happened in 1919 in the correct order. But if you're just trying to remember the death of Rosa Luxemburg as being in 1919, I have a little mnemonic just to remember the 19. I've got a 1 and a 9. I think of the Spartacus uprising as the one chance the communists had to take power. And Friedrich Ebert and his fry corpse, they all shouted 9 in German or no and stopped it. So I've got the one chance and the 9 is no. So that's how I remember it was in 1919. Okay, so next one. When was the Weimar Republic formed? I'm not giving you much time because that was in 1919 as well. It's four days after the death of Rosa Luxemburg. Okay, why did the National Assembly meet in Weimar and not in Berlin? 
And that was because of the general unrest and lack of security with events such as the communist Spartacus uprising. So the Weimar Republic was the first German Republic with a constitution. The monarchy was abolished and democratic voting now included all people over 21, including women, which is great. Friedrich Ebert became the new president of the Reich, so replaced the role of the Kaiser. And then the National Assembly was run by the leader of the party with the most votes. Okay, and that's how it went on from there. So the next event on the timeline, when was the Treaty of Versailles? Okay, and this was in the summer of 1919, on the 28th of June. How do I remember this? Well, I have a silly mnemonic. When they were signing the treaty, everyone started laughing uh, because they found a typo in the treaty. So I'm thinking of the word typo. And then I could use something called the major mnemonic method. Don't panic. It's nothing um, complicated at all. Some letters look like numbers. Um, so you don't use vowels. And I count Y as a vowel because it makes a vowel sound. So in typo, you've got T-Y-P-O. So we've got a T and a P. A T has one downstroke. So that always counts as a one. And a P looks like a nine, sort of reversed and flipped over. So P's are always nines. So that's one nine from the word typo. But I also remember the Treaty of Versailles was part of this group of events that happened in 1919. And I'll give you the whole mnemonic in a minute. So the Treaty of Versailles. Uh, it's a treaty agreed at the end of World War I. It's famous because it was very harsh on the Germans. They had to pay a huge amount of money in damages to the Allies. These payments were called reparations. They also had to give large swathes of land away to neighbouring countries. Many people see these harsh penalties as one of the main causes for World War II because it made the German people feel very bitter towards the winners of World War I and gave the perfect atmosphere for the rise of Hitler and his Nazi party. It wasn't the only reason, but people see it as one of the main reasons. Okay, here's a question about the Treaty of Versailles. The Treaty of Versailles insisted that the German army leave which region of Germany? So they insisted the German army had to move out of a region of Germany. Okay, and that was the Rhineland, so it was the demilitarization of the Rhineland. And next question, how much did the Treaty of Versailles make Germany pay in reparations? And if you think of that in how many gold marks, which is the gold standard at the time, how many gold marks did they make Germany pay? Okay, and that was 132 billion gold marks. That was never paid, but that was how much was set as the initial amount in the Treaty of Versailles. Okay, next event. When did Adolf Hitler join the German Workers' Party? And that was the last event in this timeline in 1919. Hitler was not sure what to do with himself after World War I, so he remained in the armed forces. He ended up joining the German Workers' Party after he'd actually been sent to spy on them. Uh, he liked what he heard and he soon got a reputation for being an eloquent and passionate speaker and began to rise through the ranks. Um, interesting fact, um, on September the 28th, 1918, it's a bit unclear the details of this, but Private Henry Tandy, a British soldier serving near the French village of Marcoing, reportedly encountered a wounded German soldier and declined to shoot him, sparing the life of 29-year-old Lance Corporal Adolf Hitler. 
Now, this has sort of been verified because Hitler himself identified Tandy as the man who almost shot him when speaking to Neville Chamberlain about a famous painting featuring Tandy called Men in Crossroads. And you can see that painting if you go online and you Google Men in Crossroads, M-E-N-I-N, Crossroads, you can see a picture of Tandy in another situation carrying a wounded man back. Adolf Hitler saw that picture when he was talking to Neville Chamberlain and identified Tandy as the man who didn't shoot him. So perhaps that's true. I remember that event from 1919 because once Hitler joined the German Workers' Party, he then got involved as he wanted to make the Workers' Party tip-top. And in tip-top, I've got the T and the P, which is 19. But to be fair, when I get four events in one year, I just need to remember what order they occurred in during that year, as it's more useful for my chronology to know when those four events happened. So it goes Rosa being executed, the Weimar Republic, Versailles and Hitler joining the Workers' Party. So I imagine a rose being picked and crushed by German politicians on the way to Weimar for the first assembly. At the assembly, they're told they had to go to Versailles, so they're all a bit grumpy because they've just arrived at Weimar. They arrive in the Hall of Mirrors at Versailles to sign the treaty and Hitler is one of the workers polishing the mirrors. So from that, I've got this rose in my head, that's Rose Luxemburg, Politicians on the way to Weimar, they get there, they're told they've got to go to Versailles. So I've seen them now going to Versailles, the Hall of Mirrors, and Hitler polishing the mirrors. So that's how I remember those events and that they all happened in 1919. Okay, let's move on to the years of unrest. When were the years of unrest? Okay, and that's from 1919 to 1923. It was a four-year period essentially from the end of the signing of the Treaty of Versailles onwards. Um, once the Weimar Republic was established, it had many problems due to the after-effects of World War I and the Treaty of Versailles. Can you name some of the problems the Weimar Republic faced in those years? Okay, so they had massive inflation, massive unemployment... They had problems paying the reparations. Um, because of that, France and Belgium took over the Ruhr Valley and occupied it for themselves. They had difficulty making decisions within the Reichstag, which had been renamed in 1920. So they had difficulty making decisions because there were so many different political parties in the Reichstag. So all these problems were happening in the years of unrest. OK, so let's go on to how those problems started to be solved. When did Gustav Stresemann introduce the Renton mark okay and that was in 1923 so I remember that as the end of the unrest something is done about it the Renton mark is introduced but if you're trying to remember it's in 23 mark so the, the currency the mark starts with M and M looks like a 3 turned on its side so that helps you remember it's 1923 and here's a question. Why was the Renton mark introduced? And it was introduced because of hyperinflation. The Weimar Republic's currency had been nicknamed the Papier mark because of this, the paper mark, because it was basically worthless. So Gustav Stresemann became Chancellor after no political party could get a majority and form a lasting government to run the Weimar Republic. And Stresemann made lots of changes in his time as Chancellor and then as Foreign Secretary and is credited for bringing back stability, basically, to Germany. 
So next question, when was the Munich Putsch? Okay, the Munich Putsch was in 1923. Munich starts with an M again, so I remember that as 1923. So here's a question, who organized the Munich Putsch? It was Adolf Hitler. And what is another name used for the Munich Putsch? Hopefully you know it's the Beer Hall Putsch. And what happened to Hitler after the Munich Putsch? He was arrested and he got seven years for treason. And while Hitler was imprisoned, how did he pass a lot of his time? Yep, he was writing Mein Kampf, My Struggle, which became a bestseller. And he used the putsch and its infamy and his book to greatly increase his political profile. So he used that as a, a basically a launch pad of, for his political career. Okay, next question. When did the Dawes Plan end the occupation of the Ruhr Valley? Okay, and that was in 1924. And I remember that because Ruhr starts with an R. An R, if you have a capital R, looks like a, um, a four reversed. So that's when the Dawes Plan happened. The Dawes Plan was created as a way to reduce the burden of the reparations agreed in the Treaty of Versailles. It ended the occupation of the Ruhr Valley by the French and Belgians and actually started to stagger the war reparation payments so it was more realistic for Germany to pay the money. So that made a big, big difference to Germany's economy. Okay, next question. When was the Hitler Youth founded? Okay, that was in 1926. How do I remember that? Well, there are two sexes, and male and females, so two six, two sexes. This was a boys only group, but there was a girls group called the League of German Girls. Okay, here's a question about Hitler Youth. What happened to all the other youth groups in Germany once Hitler came to power? Okay, well, they were all banned. Not when the Hitler Youth was founded, but when Hitler came to power, all other youth groups in Germany were banned. Although there were groups like the Edelweiss Pirates and the Swing Kids who continued and were generally tolerated for most of the period. Okay, on to the next one. When was the Wall Street crash? Okay, that was in 1929. The Wall Street crash in the USA had devastating consequences across the world. Um, due to Germany's reliance on US loans, it caused a huge crash in Germany and great hardship at just at the time the Nazis were getting near a majority in the Reichstag elections. So it was really bad timing for Germany and in essence, great timing for Adolf Hitler. Uh, how do I remember it was in 1929? Well, for me, the Wall Street crash was the nub of the problems for the rest of the world. And nub is N and B. N's got two downstrokes, so that means it's the number two. And the B, again, looks like a nine that's been rotated. So that's where I get 29. Okay, now what we're going to do now is we're going to nip back and see if you can remember any of the dates from earlier using any of the methods that we have used. So let's flip right back up the timeline for a second. And let's have a look at the reign of Kaiser Wilhelm. Can you remember when... Kaiser Wilhelm II reigned. Okay, and that was 1888 to 1918. Hopefully you've got pictures of lots of people eating and eating and eating at a feast for Kaiser Wilhelm II. Okay, and ended at the end of World War I. 
Okay, so now let's look at the events around the same time as the death of Rosa Luxemburg. Can you remember all the related events and what year they happened in? Okay, so hopefully you're thinking of a rose being crushed by politicians on the way to Weimar, who are told they have to go to Versailles, stand in the Hall of Mirrors while Hitler polishes the mirrors. That's all in 1919. You've got Rosa Luxemburg's execution, the Weimar Republic was established, the Treaty of Versailles and Hitler joining the German Workers' Party. All from one mnemonic. Awesome. Right, next. When did Gustav Stresemann introduce the Rentenmark? Okay, uh, that was 1923 with the M for Mark giving you the three. Same as the Munich Putsch, which has the M for three as well. Okay, let's move on. Let's go to when did Heinrich Brüning establish a presidential government? Okay, so that was in 1930. Shortly after Bruning took office as Chancellor, he was confronted by the economic crisis caused by the Great Depression. So he responded by tightening the credit, rollback of all wage and salary increases. And these policies increased unemployment and made him really unpopular, losing him support in the Reichstag. So it's really hard for him to get policies through. So he established a so-called presidential government. So he used the authority of the president to invoke emergency decrees signed off by the president Paul von Hindenburg and this is one of the weaknesses in the Weimar constitution that this could be done and then it didn't really work out he ended up falling out with Paul von Hindenburg he couldn't pass any more resolutions and so his cabinet resigned in 1932 and Franz von Papen became the next chancellor and also had to rule by presidential decree because nobody could agree in the Weimar Republic's Reichstag. Okay, so when did Hitler become Chancellor? And this was in 1933. I just remember this from the word madman. I imagine Adolf Hitler ranting and raving and actually setting fire to the Reichstag, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So from the word madman, I get MM and I get 33, because the three and the M look similar. So after von Papen lost the chancellorship, he was desperate to regain power and he started talks with Hitler. He then suggested to Hindenburg that they could better control Hitler if he was made chancellor, which Hindenburg had always resisted. It quickly became clear once Hitler was chancellor that controlling him was not possible. OK, so Hitler's now in power. When was the Enabling Act passed? Okay, and this was also in 1933, after the Reichstag fire, which people think was probably set by the Nazis or just was fortunate occurrence. Um, it was swiftly blamed on the communists. Hitler got Hindenburg then to enact emergency powers, which essentially removed most people's human rights. This was swiftly followed by the Enabling Act that gave Hitler the right to rule without ratification from the Reichstag for four years. So he was free, free to do what he wanted. And that's how I remember it's 33. He was free, free to do what he wanted. 33. So yeah, Hitler is now in power and in control. So when was the Night of the Long Knives? Okay, that was in 1934. Hitler had become increasingly worried about the power of the SA, his stormtroopers, that were still controlled by Ernst Rom, who had been an ally of Hitler right from the start. 
and he became irritated by opposition leaders who spoke out against him, either within the Nazi party or outside. On the night of the Long Knives, SS and Gestapo forces murdered around 90 officials connected with the stormtroopers, the SA, or politics. I remember this from the word murder. Murder starts with an M and then there's a U and then an R. So the M and the R, the M is a three, and the R, capital R looks like a four reversed. Okay, when were the Nuremberg Laws enacted? This was in 1935. The Nuremberg Laws are infamous. They're racist laws that essentially set out who were considered Jews and half-Jews and who was or was not allowed to marry in order to protect the Aryan bloodline. So the Nuremberg Laws were established in 1935. Nuremberg Laws, so I take the M from Nuremberg because it stands out, and the L from Laws. The M again is a three. The L is a Roman numeral for five. So Nuremberg Laws, 35. Okay, next one on the timeline. When was the film Triumph of the Will released? And again, this was in uh, 1935. As we all know, the Nazi party used a lot of propaganda. This film was of the annual Nuremberg Rally which eventually became an immense military pageant celebrating Nazi Germany and Adolf Hitler. The rallies ended at the start of World War II because the Germans were preoccupied with fighting. Apart from being Nazi propaganda, the film was also groundbreaking in many other ways. The director was female and the cinematography inspired directors for years to come. And I remember this one because it's a film of the Nuremberg Rally and we've just done the Nuremberg Laws in 1935, so I remember those as being connected. Okay, next question. When were the Nazi Olympics in Berlin? Okay, and I remember this is 1936, okay? The 1936 Berlin Olympics were meant to showcase how German or Aryan athletes were superior to other races. Unfortunately, this didn't quite work. Can you name the famous American um, athlete who won four gold medals at the Olympics? Yep, yeah, that was Jesse Owens. He wasn't the only black athlete to win gold, but he won four. Um, there were other athletes that also won gold medals, and that didn't really work out for Hitler's plan to show that white athletes were superior. Okay, next question. When was the Reich Church formed? Okay, this was also in 1936, so I connect it to the Olympics. I imagine all the athletes going to the Reich Church after the events and being really shocked by what they found. Okay, so I'll just connect it with the Olympics. The Nazi party even tried to control the church. Having already signed a treaty with the Pope to agree to disagree, they then set about trying to change other churches across Germany. Changes did meet a lot of resistance, but in some churches, which became known as Reich churches, normal Christian symbols and customs were replaced with Nazi symbols and new written readings. So here's a question about Reich churches. What were Bibles replaced with in Reich churches? And they were replaced with copies of Mein Kampf. So that's quite a change. Next question on the timeline. When was church leader Martin Neimoller sent to concentration camp? Okay, 
Okay, and this was in 1938. He was famous for the poem First Day Came. It's worth looking up. It's a much quoted poem. And I remember the 938 from 1938 because of the poem First They Came. Poem's got a P. Then the next consonant is an M. And then there's the F of first. So the P is a nine. The M is a three. And the F, if you write a squiggly F, it actually looks a bit like an eight. So nine, three, eight. So although he was anti-Semitic at the start of the war and pro-Nazi in the early years, he became even more vocal about Nazi meddling in the church and was eventually sent to concentration camps for four to five years. After the war, he became increasingly aware of the mistakes that had been made and the suffering that was overlooked by community leaders like himself. And he wrote the much quoted poem, First Day Came. Worth Googling that one and having a look. It's a great poem and you'll probably recognise it. Okay, next question. When was the Anschluss? Okay, the Anschluss was in 1938. Um, first question. What was the Anschluss? Okay, that was the joining of Austria to Germany in order to unite all German-speaking people. The Austrians had actually been left out when the Prussian-dominated German Empire had been founded and were resistant to joining in 1938. Austria was a predominantly Catholic country and was suspicious of the intentions of their predominantly Protestant neighbour. In the end, Adolf Hitler bullied them into joining with Germany peacefully. Okay, next question. When was the speech given which included the quote, Peace for our time? And that was in 1938. And do you know who it was given by? Okay, and that was Neville Chamberlain. Often misquoted as peace in our time. It's actually peace for our time. This is taken from the famous speech by Neville Chamberlain, who felt that he and other European leaders had avoided another European war by letting Germany take large swathes of Czechoslovakia, known as the Sudetenland. Unfortunately, this appeasement didn't work, and a year later, Hitler invaded Poland. Okay, next question. When was the night of broken glass? That was also in 1938, uh, on the 9th to 10th of November. And with so much anti-Jewish propaganda, it wasn't going to take much to start violence against the Jewish community, who were collectively blamed for most of Germany's problems. The assassination of a German diplomat in Paris by Jewish youth was a spark that led to a night of violence against Jewish homes, shops and synagogues, with over 200 synagogues destroyed. So, why was it called the Night of Broken Glass, or Kristallnacht in German? Quite simply, the amount of broken windows, there was glass everywhere, and so it looked like crystal all over the floor. Okay, I remember that one by it being a massive fight, MF, M is the three on its side, F, remember, is like, if you write it squiggly, is like an eight. Okay, next one. When did the Strength Through Joy scheme become the largest tourism operator in the world? Yep, and that was also 1938. Well, in a minute, we'll do one big mnemonic to remember all those five that go together. During Nazi rule, there was a huge push to entertain workers because wages were low and no one was actually allowed to complain or leave their job. This led to the organisation Strength Through Joy, 
which organised events and trips abroad. By 1938, they were the world's biggest tourism operator, even owning and running some of the first ever cruise ships. So how do you remember all of those 1938 events in the correct order? Well, I have this mnemonic. I have Martin Naimola in a concentration camp in Austria with Neville Chamberlain, who are sweeping up broken glass before they go on a huge holiday with weightlifting clowns. So the weightlifting clowns, strength through joy. Okay, we've got Martin. He's sent to concentration camp. You've got Austria, which reminds you of the Anschluss. You've got Neville Chamberlain doing peace for our time. Kristallnacht, so you've got the broken glass. And then you've got this huge holiday company, Strength Through Joy, weightlifting clowns. So hopefully that's memorable. And you can remember all the 1938 dates altogether. Okay, we're just going to whip back for 10 seconds and have a look at some previous dates and see if you can remember them. So going right to the start... When was the reign of Kaiser Wilhelm II? Do you remember the feast? Loads of food on the tables. They ate and ate and ate. 1888 and ended at the end of World War I, 1918. Okay, we'll skip down the timeline. Past all the events that happened together in 1919. You remember the story of the Rose, the German politicians going to the Weimar Assembly, then to the Hall of Mirrors and Hitler, but we're going to skip on past that one. He was cleaning the mirrors, wasn't he? Okay, when did Gustav Stresemann introduce the Rentenmark? Hopefully you're thinking of Mark. It begins with an M, looks like a three, so it's 1923. Also the end of the years of unrest. When was the Munich Putsch? Okay, hopefully Munich starts with an M. Remember that's 1923 as well. Can you remember when the Hitler Youth was founded? Okay, and that was in 1926, and I remember two sexes involved. There's the males in the Hitler Youth and the girls in the League of German Girls. So two sexes, two sex. Okay. Can you remember when the Wall Street crash happened? Remember that was a nub of the problem of the rest of the world? Nub. The N has two downstrokes, so that's two. And the B looks like a nine, rotated and flipped. So that is 1929. Right, let's get on and see what our next one on the timeline is so we're down to we just finished 1938 if you remember martin naimola in a concentration camp in austria with neville chamberlain her sweeping up broken glass before they all got on a huge holiday with weightlifting clowns absolutely great way of remembering that okay we're almost at the end next one when were the rosenstrasse protests Okay, and they were in 1943. So here's my first question. What were the Rosenstrasse protests? Okay, they were the only mass protest by ethnic Germans against Nazi rule. German wives of Jewish or half-Jewish husbands protested for their release from a house in Rosenstrasse where they were being held before being deported to concentration camps. So... What was the outcome of the Rosenstrasse protests? Well, actually, the Germans thought that it was a bad PR exercise to have all these ethnic German wives protesting in Berlin. So they decided that they would just release the husbands so that the protest didn't spread. So that's how it ended. And the husbands went home with their wives. 
Um, I remember this being 1943 because I remember that they fought for freedom. So I can imagine all these women fighting for the freedom of their husbands. Fought is four. Freedom is three on the front. So three. Fought and three. Okay. And we're coming to the last one of uh, this timeline. When was Bartel Schink hanged? Okay, and Bartel Schink was hanged in 1944. I remember that because he was part of some real resistance in Germany. There wasn't much of it, but there was some. And real resistance is RR, which is 4-4. There were many smaller forms of resistance in Nazi Germany, such as alternative youth groups, as such as the Edelweiss Pirates and the Swing Youth, who were generally tolerated. Occasionally, members of these groups would meet other people who wanted to resist the Nazis, and when discovered, these groups were brutally crushed by the Gestapo and the SS. Hence, there wasn't a great deal of resistance and it didn't last for long in Germany. Okay, so that is the end of this timeline about the Weimar Republic and the rise of Nazi Germany. Thank you for listening. Come back next week when we should have another timeline quiz ready for you. If you want to keep on exploring timelines, you can download our app from the Google Play Store, Sprock's History Quiz. If you use the code PODCAST17, you can play the Weimar Nazis timeline for free. And if you are interested in finding out more about how to have a better memory, search for our Scintilla MemoryTube channel on YouTube. Thanks for listening. See you next week.